Welcome to It's All About Jesus, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Eagle. You are listening to a Sunday morning message by Pastor Mike Sasso. If you would like to join us for church, we meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle, Idaho. You may also join us live streaming at that time. Go to cceagle.org at 10 a.m. to watch the whole service live. If you can't join us then, you can always go back and watch the video. Let's listen in to today's message. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. Saying Moses was 80 when he just began the work that you caused him to do. And I'm tired. (laughs) You know, sometimes God puts you in the right perspective. I actually ask God's forgiveness. Forgive me, Lord, because I get so weary. Look at Moses. 80, okay. Now God's called me to ministry. 80 years old. God be with you. Sometimes it takes time. You don't know what God's doing. I found this quote from Warren Worsby I really like. He says, God's delays aren't evidence of unconcern. For he hears our groans, he sees our plights, feels our sorrows, and remembers his covenant. And what he had promised, he will perform. He never breaks his covenant with his people. When the right time comes, God immediately goes to work. Mm -mm. Are you waiting for God to keep his word or keep his promise in your life? Mm? Sometimes some of the suffering we go through is the suffering of waiting. Hang in there. God will do it. Breathe. Be patient. Let the Lord do his work. Now, I want you to notice something else in verse 25. In verse 25, it says, Choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God um, rather than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. That phrase, passing pleasures of sin, it's something that every one of us need to be reminded of, of sin. It's temporary. It's a passing pleasure. You pay, you, you get now, you pay later sometimes, you know. That's the opposite of God's way. But every believer has to face the same choice that Moses faced. That we get identified with Christ and be God's special people, even though sometimes it leads to suffering, sometimes it's hard to do, and I have to give up things I don't want to give up. Or we could enjoy the momentary passing, passing pleasures of sin. And we could, you know, that's what going your own way, that's what sin is, it's going your own way. You know how you could do that? Just look within. Look within, my child. What is your heart telling you to do? Oh, yeah, that'll lead you in the right direction. Right? Just, well, what do you, you ever have advice like this? I don't know what to do. Well, what do you feel like doing? You're going to make the wrong choice. What do you feel like doing? Oh, God help you. Because we are sinful, our hearts are wicked, we will make the wrong choice. We need to hear from the Lord. God help us. Here's your next fill-in. We must keep in mind that our temporal choices have eternal consequences. And I got a verse there you could look up, but we, we must keep in mind that our temporal choices have eternal consequences. Is God speaking to you yet? Because <laughs> I know he's speaking to me through this whole message. And 
I know there's some of you right now, I just, I just know how the Holy Spirit works. Somebody out here is going, oh, he knows what I'm going through, and he, he just put this in his notes for me. No, I didn't. God is speaking to you. I'm telling you, we're all in the same boat. Yeah, that's how you know when the Holy Spirit is speaking through a pastor, when you think he knows all about your life. Because <laughs> it's God knows you, and God knows what to say, and God is saying it. Okay? Verse 26. It's speaking of Moses, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. And there were treasures in Egypt. They're still uncovering. They're still finding pyramids with gold. I think, I think what was it was uh, two-ton common. We had 25 tons of gold in his tomb alone. There was plenty of treasures in Egypt. And uh, so greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Now, keep in mind again who this was written to. Hebrews was written, the original recipients of the letter were Jewish Christians under persecution. Being pressured that you're not going to join that Christian cult. Those, are, those Christians, that's a cult. You need to stay with us, go to the temple, go through all the rituals and all the moat, jump through the hoops, do all that we're doing, because that's a cult. And, and when, the, when the Christians did... The Jews did become Christians. Many times they're disowned. You've heard about it in, um, in Muslim countries especially, right? If, if a Muslim child becomes a Christian, they disown him or kill him. In the Jewish culture, they just disowned him. You could lose your job, your family. You could lose so much. Your reputation for sure. And so they were under persecution. And, and the writer of Hebrews is saying, think of what Moses gave up. Sometimes following Christ, you've got to give up stuff. Because you've got to realize what's more important. He called it the reproach of Christ. What is this in verse 26? The reproach of Christ. See, Moses, for Moses, it was referring to his sufferings were actually sufferings for seeing the sufferings of the coming Messiah. There's two things going on here. He was kind of like a, a savior in his own right, that he was going to be a, a savior that God used to save the Jewish people through their plight, deliver them out of bondage. He was a picture of Christ, though. A picture of how suffering, a suffering Savior, could bring you to salvation. He was a picture of Christ. So Moses chose to associate and identify with God's people who were recipients of God's promises. He looked ahead to the reward, which, was far, which far outweighs any earthly treasures. That's why um, when we get to Hebrews 12, I can't wait, but it'll be a while. Okay, when we get to Hebrews 12, the first two verses used to be memory verses for me, but I, I never really quite got it right until now I'm looking at it. Because it says, therefore, since we're surrounded by so huge a cloud of witnesses of the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You know, that's a memory verse. But what's it about? He's saying, now that we've looked at Hebrews 11, We've looked at all these people who've, the sacrifices they've made, the sufferings they've gone through, everything they've gone through to model for us what real faith looks like. Since we've got all these people as examples, let's do it. Let's look to Jesus. Despising the cross, in spite of the shame, he just held on to do what he was supposed to do. Matter of fact, I should finish reading that, right? Because sometimes when I read it from the New Living, but I've got it memorized in the King James. I mess it all up, so let me just read it to you from the New Living. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses of the life of faith, 
Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin which so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race of God, the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross regarding the shame. Now he is seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. It's funny, I was having a conversation with my wife on the way in today. We were talking about joy. And this verse came to mind is that Jesus endured the cross because of the joy set before him. It was, there was no joy on the cross. Can I tell you that? You can imagine that? It wasn't like, woohoo, this fun. No, there's no joy on the cross. But because of the joy set before him, he put up at the cross. That's what life is like as a Christ, for a Christian. Because of the joy set before us, we'll put up with this. We'll deal with it. Things going on all around us. We don't, there's things, anything happening in your life that you don't like right now? Oh, just three of us. That's okay. I'll come live with you. But Jesus put up with everything he put up with because of the joy set before him. That's got to be what drives us. That's got to be what drives you and I. Is that because we know what's coming. We're not living for this life. It's temporary. We know what's coming. Now, verse 26, it says it again. Look at the last part of verse 26. It says, for he looked to the reward. That's it. Look to the reward. The attitude of keeping your eye on the prize. You've heard that before, right? It's a principle that you use in every discipline of life. Keep your eye on the prize, right? The eye of the tiger. But how much truer in life of faith? Keep your eye on the prize. Hey, Christian, where are you going? What's your reward? Where's your real home? I'm not going to sing it again. You know, my home is in heaven just waiting for me. I told you that. But listen, we look to the, to the prize. So here's a, another fill-in. And a true confession, I stole this from Warren Worsby's outline. I'm not using his outline, but this was his outline of this chapter. These three points. In Moses, we see the refusal of faith, the reproach, of faith and the reward of faith. I didn't use his notes, but I can't pass that one up. Let me say it again. We see in Moses the refusal of faith, the reproach of faith, and the reward of faith. See, the key is looking to the reward, keeping an eternal perspective in life, refusing the passing pleasures of sin, knowing where our treasure is and where our treasure isn't. All right? How many times I've got to remind myself, this is temporary. When you go through a problem, you go, it's temporary. Eternal life, that's what we're looking forward to. All right, verse 27. By faith, speaking of Moses still, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Okay, now, truth is, I went back and, you know, there's times I just can't sleep at night and I'll get up and I'll, pull up my tablet, and I'll just start reading through. I'm going to study about Moses. Let's read Moses' life story. Let's read it all. Let's freshen up on the whole thing. The, the truth is, when it says, not fearing the wrath of the king, he did fear the wrath of the king. He, he fled Egypt and went to Midian, originally. See, originally, he fled the king, but ultimately, he feared God. And when God told him to go back, he went back and faced off with the king challenged the king, demanded the king, let my people go. My best Hugh Brenner invitation. You know. So 
It says not fearing the king. Have you ever had times in your life where you were afraid, but then the Lord gave you courage, and then you st- stood back up, and you faced what you need to f- face and battle the battles you got? That's the way life is. Okay? Mo- Look at Moses. He had times of fear, or he would have never fled Egypt. He didn't go, oh, yeah, I'm staying here and taking you all on. He knew when to leave. He went to Midian till he saw this burning bush, <laughs> till God started to speak to him. And even then, when God started speaking to him, he started making excuses. You know the story. God says, I want to send you. He goes, oh, who am I? I'm just a shepherd. I can't even, I'm 80 years old. You know? and God says, but I want you to speak to Pharaoh. He goes, I can't, I can't speak too well. You know? Well, I'm going to send your, your brother with you, and he'll help you out. It's like, boy, how we can relate. If you really study the life of Moses, you realize he was afraid. But God gave him courage. God built him up. All of his excuses, God had answers for. And God says, now go. And he went. There are things in your life that God's telling you to do that you go, but, 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 but God. And he goes, yeah, I got an answer for that one. But God, what about? And he goes, all right, you want to know what about? Takes away all your excuses. And now you've got to obey God. But I tell you what. When God wins, when God has his way in your life, you're so glad you didn't cower and, and let your life be led by fear or by your excuses or your flesh, what I want to do, what I don't want to do. I want to do what God wants me to do because I know when it all plays out, that's the one choice I'll never regret is doing what God told me to do. And so the lesson we see from Moses is that it says not fearing the wrath of the king, but he did it first. But God won out, and faith values and fears God above all else. You know, when you fear making a wrong decision before him, rather than, what will they think? What will my boss think? What will they, I won't be popular. You know, you can think of all the excuses. You better fear God more than any of those other things. And that's, maybe it took 40 years. <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. Maybe it took 40 years, 40 more years for God working on Moses before he could send him back. But God's working on you. Hopefully it won't take 40 more years. God's working on us all. goes on in verse 27, this last part. It says that he endured seeing him who is invisible. Now there's an odd saying. I saw someone who was invisible. <laughs> yeah, right. Then they're not invisible. Moses saw what was invisible. He saw God. I like that. I happen to remember there was a quote Corey Tin Boone said this. Corey Tin Boone says, Faith sees the invisible, believes the unbelievable, and receives the impossible. You know Corey Tin Boone's story. We're not going to go into that one, but uh, boy, I need to remember this. Moving on to verse 28. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. I hope you know the story of the Passover. You see, after all of God's trying to convince Pharaoh to let, or Moses tried, but God did it, let my people go, one plague after another on Egypt, and every time Pharaoh seemed to shake, and then he changed his mind, and finally the last plague, after, after all the plagues, and you, you could read that story on your own, boy, that, I could tell you this could be a series, but God says there's going to be one last terrible plague and then Pharaoh will let the people go. I'm going to send the angel of death through the land. 
And the angel of death will put to death the firstborn son of every family. Now the firstborn was the one who inherited everything. The firstborn was the one with all the, the, the charge of the family. When dad's gone, I've got it all. I'm going to run things, run the business, run the family. You were killed the firstborn. That's, that's like declaring extinction on a family or on a nation. By the way, not only that, but, but the firstborn, it, it was the fast, firstborn son, uh, male of all the livestock as well. This was pretty serious, okay? So the angel of death, scary thought. This can make a creepy movie. And so God says there's only one way you're going to get out of this. I want you to take a lamb, sacrifice it unto the Lord your God, take the blood of that lamb and put it on the doorpost of your, of your house. The top and the sides. As a matter of fact, many people like to point out it's the top and the sides, and the drip goes down there. It looks like the sign of the cross right there on each doorstep. And he says, and when the angel of death comes over the land, I want you to go into the house and eat the lamb. And I read the, I read the whole chapter. I think it's Exodus 12, but it goes on and on about even details about how the lamb's to be prepared, how the lamb's to be cooked and, and eaten and all this stuff. You could read it on your own. But the, the bottom line is when the angel of death came, God says, whenever the angel of death sees the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of each house, the angel of death will pass over that house. Pass over. God's judgment will pass over that house. Pass over. The wrath of God will pass over you if you've got the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of your house. And what a picture of Christ. What a picture of salvation. Every Old Testament story is a picture of Christ in one way or another. And so it was a picture of deliverance from the wrath to come through the blood of the Lamb. What a glorious story that is, the Passover story. Now, in verse 28, it says, He kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood. Now, God told Moses to sprinkle blood on the doorpost. And uh, that didn't make sense, right? Of course, by then... God, uh, Moses had seen enough stuff that he'll, yes, sir, whatever you say. But there's a lot of times that blood and therefore doesn't make a difference. But he obeyed, even though he didn't understand, even though he didn't have the whole thing figured out. You ever have things where God tells you to do something and you go, but I don't understand. Just do it. Father knows best. Nobody knows that movie but me, that story. But God knows best, okay? And so... Moses was acting in faith, because that's what it's saying in verse 28, that he kept the Passover in the sprinkle of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. He's, he's acting in faith, putting the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, and as a result, the firstborn of every Israelite family that, that followed that instruction lived. The firstborn male was saved. And what an application to our life that every Christian today has to trust in the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of our hearts. You know what? When I stand before God in judgment, if somebody says, well, what will you say to God if he says, why should I let you into heaven? You know what I'd say? You shouldn't. But I got the blood of the Lamb. Jesus died for my sins. He paid my price. I don't deserve heaven, but I'll take it because Jesus paid my way in. Huh? That is the gospel. That is Christianity. And that changes our identity forever. Talk about our identity we got a few minutes left, so let me move quicker here. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we've got fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So you don't have to go and slaughter a lamb today. But you walk in the light, you trust in the Lord. 
and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I like the ifs there because it doesn't say, if I could just be right. If I, just, if I would be, just be faithful. No, it says, if I confess my sins, he is faithful. By the way, he's faithful whether I confess my sins or not, but he's faithful to forgive me when I confess my sins because of the blood of Jesus that was shed for you and I. Folks, that's the gospel. That's the plan of salvation. That's the 2 Corinthians 5.21. I always like to tell you that God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You want to be right with God? It's the divine swap. You trust in Jesus who took your penalty, took your punishment. He died on that cross for you. He took the punishment for your sins so that as you trust in him, he gives you his righteousness. Wait, wait, wait. So not only am I forgiven, but I'm righteous. I'm not, I'm not saying that in a proud way. My pride is in him. But can I say, that was a revelation coming from the religion I came from when I grew, grew up, which some of you doubt I ever grew up. But I, I learned that the way I am made righteous is that he took my sins, I trust in him, he gives me his righteousness. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the gospel. You want to talk about the full gospel? There's the full gospel. When you trust in him, he makes you righteous. He gives you his righteousness. Now, our new identity is in Christ. I like the way Paul put it in Romans 6. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism unto death, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. We've been through the Red Sea. We've had the blood of the Lamb on the doorposts of our hearts. We're now walking the promised land, living God's way. What's the result? of living by faith. Look at the last verse of our text today, verse 29. By faith they passed through the Red Sea by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. Yeah, you know what? We're all heading through that narrow passageway. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. We're all going to go through that narrow passageway, the valley of the shadow of the death, of death. But you know what? The Egyptians thought they could go through it and be okay because the, the Hebrews did. But the Hebrews went through by faith in God. The Egyptians tried to go through trusting in themselves, in their own might. You want to know how you're going to make it to heaven? Trusting in God, following his way, not by trusting in yourself, as the Egyptians do, because they, they didn't make it because they trusted in their own strength. Now, I've got to shorten this a little bit because I see time is up and I've got a couple of verses. What am I going to skip here? Oh, I told you I was going to start with a verse and end with a verse. Let's go there. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Because as we've gone through the text we've gone through in verses 23 in Hebrews 11 through 29, we've seen five times we've seen the expression, by faith. So I want you to know 
By faith. Where do you identify? How do you identify? Where's your faith? That's what it comes down to. More important than, I'll say it again, more important than who you are is whose you are. I'm going to end with that verse. 1 Corinthians 6.19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? This is those who've trusted Christ. If you're an outsider looking in, this doesn't apply for you, to you. If you're not a Christian, you're just a looky-loo, just checking us out, then it doesn't apply to you, but it can if you trust in Christ. If you, if you let the blood of Jesus cleanse you, if you confess your sins, come to him in faith and repentance. But he says that the Spirit of God is in you, who you have from God, Christians. You're not your own, for you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Folks, there's so much more to say, but the time is up. Father, we come before you right now. We recognize, Lord, you've already said so much, and Lord, help me not to ruin it by adding to it. Lord, you're speaking to your people. You have spoken, and you are speaking by your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord God, that we would hear your voice and obey it. Father, you know your children who are here in this room right now, or maybe live streaming, or will listen later in the radio, who, who you've convicted them of something, who you've nudged them in a certain direction. Lord, help us to follow your lead. Help us to hear your voice and obey it. And one more thing, if there's somebody here who's not a Christian, somebody listening to the sound of my voice, and you don't know if you're going to heaven when you die, when you, die. you don't know your sins are forgiven, you can know if you come to Jesus. It's as simple as recognizing that you are a sinner, and he is the Savior. He died for your sins that you wouldn't have to. And that you can have his righteousness. If you just trust in him, he'll make you right with God. If that's you, could you just whisper a little prayer to God? Just say, Lord, I need you. Lord God, I know that I'm a sinner. I need Jesus. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose again from the dead. I trust in you. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Change me. Make me what I ought to be. Only you can do it, Lord. I can't change myself. I can't be what I want to be. So, Lord, do what I cannot do. Make me yours. I pray in Jesus. We hope you enjoyed today's program. You can find all of Pastor Mike's messages and any other information you would like about Calvary Chapel Eagle online at cceagle.org. In iTunes, you can subscribe to the podcast Calvary Chapel Eagle Sunday morning. If you are new to the area and don't already have a home church, we would love for you to come check us out. We meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle. That is one block north of Highway 44. You can call or text the church phone at 208-891-2635. Once again, you can get any information you need at cceagle.org. There you will also find a link to join our Facebook page. So until next time, remember, it's all about Jesus. Yeah, the power of His name.